Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your genes. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, the long-awaited part two of the Bright Sparks Challenge. Fresh scientists explain their research in the time it takes to burn down a sparkler. And they're performing haiku and limericks about their science. Neil Byrne is the creative director of Science in Public helping scientists present their ideas to the public in plain English. At the venue, there wasn't a microphone for the audience to use when asking their questions, and their questions weren't repeated on microphone by the host or the speakers. So, as before, I will be revoicing their questions for the show. Dr Lee Dayton, an experienced science communicator, asked most of the questions, and she was one of the judges for the night. And now, here's your host, Neil Byrne. Every camera is different, and every cancer is different. I heard the other day someone, a cancer researcher, saying that cancers are like snowflakes. Every cancer is different. Ovarian cancer is particularly tough and distinct, and Claire Henry is going to tell us how she's going to take it on. Claire. Thanks. I feel like I need to bend down a bit to the microphone. Well, we can... No, that's fine, whatever. It all adds to the dramatic tension. Sure. Is it going to light? Shaking? No, not shaking. Settling down. That's nice. Here you go. All right. Specialised cell molecules called ROARs are essential in the development of a fetus, growing arms and legs. But when we're adults and we're fully developed, we don't need these anymore, so they're turned off. My research has found that in ovarian cancer, they actually get switched back on. But this time, it's not for good. It's actually to enable the cancer spread around the body. This is important because ovarian cancer is actually quite an aggressive disease and there's not many treatment um, options available for these women. So basically, the presence of these ROARs is a weakness that we could exploit with new drugs to help improve the survival for women with this devastating disease. And yeah, that's it. (laughs) Excellent, well done, thank you. So one of your fundamental problems with cancer is that you're trying to kill your own cells. Well, yes. That, that you're, you're trying to kill, you know, that you're killing a cancer cell, you're trying to kill self. Yep. But in this case, the cancer cells are doing something that is really distinctive to the cancer. So these molecules that get turned back on aren't kind of turned on in other areas of the body. So that's kind of an exciting thing because then if we made drugs towards these molecules, then it would be just targeting the cancer. So... Hopefully that'll make a difference. Any questions from the audience? Um, Yes, go for it. Is it only ovarian cancer or other cancers too? Yeah, so there's more and more research coming out. Definitely leukaemia has these molecules. There's been papers now in breast cancer, there's renal, there's pancreatic. So, yeah, they're um, actually really exciting new molecules to start researching. So what does ROR stand for? 
Yeah, so it stands for receptor tyrosine kinase-like orphan receptor. And she's delighted you should ask that because we spent the <laughs> it last... It doesn't really... When I say that to you, it probably doesn't last mean anything. two days telling her not to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Gets a bit complicated. Oh, that's, um, that's excellent. And so with breast cancer, for example, survival rates have dramatically improved over the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Ovarian cancer is one of those deep cancers that we find late and... Yeah, exactly. So that's the reason why um, so many women actually die from the cancer. So only about 30% of women um, will survive. So um, the diagnosis is quite late when it's already spread. There's no screening or detection tests available. And yeah, I guess the treatment um, that's available for these women is really surgery and chemo, which doesn't work. Severe. Yeah. It's serious. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, final one before the break. New York Times this morning had a feature on flies. Tony, I've forgotten the magic number. How many flies are there per person? I tweeted about it this morning. So this morning, New York Times, for whatever reason, bizarrely did a bit of a feature on flies. There are 17 million flies for every person. And some of them are really important. Without flies, we wouldn't have chocolate, apparently. Giuliano Morimoto from Macquarie University is concerned with fruit flies and let's find out why he cares about them. Come on up. Well, they do pay my salary, so that's why I care that much. How does a fruit fly open a bank account? (laughs) Oh! It's not my fault. I'm going to start. So I work with sex and poo in fruit flies. So one in five couples suffer from infertility. 20% of causes of infertility are unknown. My research has found a particular strain of bacteria in the gut can make flies more likely to be infertile and decrease the health of their offspring. So if you apply that to humans, next time you go out on a Tinder date, ask for a sample. Excellent. Why flies? Flies have got six Nobel Prizes so far. Hey, including he the three answers the questions the before I yeah. ask them. <laughs> I can read your mind. You can, you can, absolutely. Any questions for the audience? Yes. No, no, you don't have to tell him what the question is. He knows already. Yeah. <laughs> no. Take it away. What's the question? Are you inoculating the fruit flies? I am inoculating. Yeah, I manipulate. We have two bacteria. One is, well, Acetobacter pomorum, which we find in vinegar, for example. And the other one is Lactobacillus plantarum, which is a probiotics, including for humans. So, yeah. Those are the core bacteria in the fruit fly gut. That's why we use those. Excellent. Where was it published? It was published uh, in, what was July 2017? Two papers, one in biology letters, the other one in current biology. Excellent. Any more questions? Oh, yes. Lee. What's the mechanism of action? That's a very good question. If we get funding, we can... <laughs> yes, so what, what I speculate in the paper is that this bacteria seems to be mimicking a high-protein diet, and we know that high-protein diets, they, they are detrimental for, for reproduction, at least for males. Did you also see things like sex changes? I mean, 
in the offspring, well, it's sex specific in the offspring. Only daughters actually pay the cost. So for some reason, it's it's only daughters. We're trying to investigate the mechanism. And this, this is, you've actually got a whole body of work going on yes. around this fundamentally understand using fruit fly as a model to understand what's happening with how, how gut bacteria influence this in all sorts of ways. Yes, what we're doing, well, we have a whole bunch of not only fundamental question, uh, research, but also trying to apply more specifically in Australia to Queensland fruit fly. What we're trying to do is manipulate their gut bacteria to see if they can make them more likely to be sterile and they release them in the wild and hopefully they won't cause the burdens to the economy that they do. Which is like something like a billion dollars worth of damage to agriculture yeah, or something year. quite significant. Yeah, it is. One last question down there. Does this only affect flies? Is there a chance it might spread to other insects? It's likely to affect bees, but the, bee, the problem with the bees is that uh, bacteria is socially transmitted as well. So for bees, we have to look at the colony level, not only at the individual level. But yeah, nothing, it, it's possible. Because if you were working with bees, it would be easier to get press because we like bees. True, but we, we like, like fruit flies as well. No, we don't. Who likes fruit flies? Who likes Put your hand up if you like fruit flies. See, there you go. And she's judging, so that's what Statist I mean. a, <laughs> a statistically insignificant outlier. Well, <laughs> I like the outliers. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's excellent. The Limerick Pax laughs anatomical into space that's quite economical. But the good ones I've seen so seldom are clean and the clean, clean ones so seldom are comical. Lee, you had a Limerick as well. A rocket explorer named Wright once travelled much faster than light. He went out one wet day in a relative way and came back on the previous night. Thank you very much. Nicely done. And Schrodinger spoke. So there's a cat in this box. Alive? Well, maybe. I'm Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. You're listening to the 2017 Fresh Science Bright Sparks Challenge. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. More cancer. Cancer genomes. Mutation hotspots. Rebecca, University of New South Wales. So we're all going to be spending a lot of time in the sun this summer. And we've been told about sun safety. Now last summer, I didn't spend much time in the sun because I was inside working with big data on big computers. So why would I spend my summer like that? I was trying to work out how our cells deal with the damage from sunlight. So I discovered that really important parts of our DNA don't get fixed once they get damaged from the sun. And this damage turns into mutations. And mutations turn into cancer. And so this summer, make sure that you slip, slop, slap, seek, and slide. <laughs> Thank you. Any questions? Slide. Slide on a pair of sunnies and seek shade. Gets more and more complicated, doesn't it? Like, I have to do all those things? Mm -hmm. Bravo. Sneaky, sneakily this morning, we made a pitch 
for him to buy you a big new supercomputer. Yes, that's right. And uh, he, may, he may know where there's some computing capacity, which was a surprising outcome. Yes, that was actually a very helpful pitch. Where are these mutation hotspots? So most cancer research to date has looked at genes, but that's only about 2% of our genome. So I've been looking at the rest of our genome, and so I found these mutation hotspots in what's called regulatory regions. So they tell our genes how much protein to make, which is a really important part of how a cell functions. This is stuff we used to call junk DNA. That's right. Because we were kind of arrogant enough to think exactly. that our cells... We didn't know what it did, so we thought it did nothing. Yeah. And then we did human genome. We discovered that there wasn't enough human genome to make people and stuff. That's right. <laughs> Good. Excellent. Thank you very much. And we'll get you back shortly. Okay. Thank you. Clever things we can do with vaccines. Mohamed Tashani from the Children's Hospital at Westmead. Come on down. Whoa, this sparkler generates smoke. Smoke and pollution may attribute to pneumonia. By the way, three days ago it was World Pneumonia Day. The world is still fighting pneumonia. Uh, meanwhile, there's still one child dies every two seconds of pneumonia. That's one million child every year, mostly in developing countries. Luckily, there's a vaccine that's effective against to protect from pneumonia. But if there's a vaccine, why are still chill too many children dying of pneumonia? This answer is simple, because the vaccine is so expensive, too many countries cannot afford it. My, my research aims to make the vaccine more affordable and more accessible to the kids. How can we do that? Actually, the, the infants are required to have three doses in order to be fully protected. My, if I found that if we make some tweak to the immunization schedule and reorder the vaccine, we can make two doses more effective. So make substantial uh, sa cost saving millions of dollars and millions of lives. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Pop it in the bin. Don't go, don't, 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 don't come back. They may want to know more. I thought I used my time. <laughs> you have used your primary presentation time, but you can sneak in a couple of questions. Any questions? Well, two questions over there first, and then we'll go to you. What microorganisms are you vaccinating against? Most of the pneumonia cases are caused by streptococcus pneumonia. Uh, streptococcus pneumonia is a nasty organism. It infiltrates the lung and makes the lung tissue full of pus. It makes the child, uh, it makes it too painful to breathe. And imagine the child, if he breathes or cries, it's very painful. I, child breathes and, and cries all the time. So uh, they do other shitty business, but that's what we do all the time. So imagine if every time he breathes, it's painful for him. So it's very nasty disease and very high mortality rate. It might kill too many if, if it affects them. So we need to protect them well with the vaccine. But what's really clever about this is we don't have to change the vaccine. We just have to change the schedule. Reorder the vaccine. The order in which they're developed, presented, which is just brilliant because you don't have all the complexity of all the trials or whatever. And just by reducing the number of doses required, you reduce the cost and make it more accessible. Absolutely brilliant stuff. How soon do you think before we might see this happen? We have published three papers proving this by data analysis. We are currently collaborating with external collaborators from Tanzania to start trying clinical trials in infants as soon as we get the funding. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you. And what does that mean we're going to finish with? Chickens, indeed. Amy Moss from University of Sydney talking about 
chickens and gizzards. So who here likes to eat chicken? Yeah! So my research feeds chickens whole grains, just like the whole wheat you'd find in your muesli, in order to increase the amount of meat we get from each chicken. So that's great in Australia if you love KFC, but it's also even more important in developing countries. That, that's because we, as we use whole grains across in a global scale, we can produce even more chicken and that can feed up to 114 million more people. That's five times the population of Australia. And we can do this um, all without using any additional resources or fancy equipment, simply changing the way the grain is fed to enhance the efficiency of chicken meat production. Excellent, beautiful timing. With timing like that, should be in radio. Now, why, how, what's going on? So when we feed whole grains, it stimulates the gizzard. And the gizzard is this muscular organ that sits above the chicken's stomach. And when we put the whole grain, it gets more muscle and it works really hard and it stimulates more gastric secretions. And that improves digestion and makes the chicken, the chicken can create more meat from more nutrients. Yeah. Whereas at the moment we're using food, uh, we, we're grinding the grain down and mixing it up. Yes, yeah, so we're grinding it, pelleting it, processing it heavily. But it actually, it's just better to feed it natural. And let the chickens do the work. Yes, let, yeah, let them do all the hard work. Any questions from the audience? Question up there. What do the chickens think of it? <laughs> they love whole grain, yeah. Yep. Even from little baby chicks, they're really happy to eat it. It's pretty natural for them. How did people feed chickens 200 years ago? Yeah, so, well, when chickens would have first been starting to be domesticated, uh, we obviously didn't have pelleting back then, so they would have fed them whole grains and they would have just sort of ranged and eaten bugs and all sorts of things. Good. Okay. Thank you very much. Don't go away. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. So, let's see what they've um, what they've come up with. Do you have a haiku or limerick? Something in between. Let's. We have a a poetic art form of some yes. description. <laughs> Take it away. Your mother was angry. She got a sicky. Rage got into her tummy, and you are unlucky because your lungs are not healthy. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, before you go, before you go, come back. So, what, what, what have you learned from the last couple of days? Well, um, different ways to deal with different type of media. So, can be very different from TV program to radio journalists, uh, uh, radio interviews, which I find really useful because uh, it's sort of upcoming for me as well. So, it's like, get us really prepared. And, and you've got a and you've got a bit of a taste for television. Yeah. Alan Duffy, you know Alan Duffy, as I like to call him. No, I'm not going to say that because get, it'll get tweeted, and then Alan won't talk to me again. So Alan did Fresh Science in uh, Victoria a few years ago. He didn't win Fresh Science, surprisingly, but he discovered that he loved television, and so we we are one of the people who contributed to unleashing uh, Alan uh, upon society. Um, but it started with fresh science because he, he saw he did the TV interviews and he realised, hey, I can do this. This works. All I need is a bow tie, apparently. Excellent. Thank you. Come on. Uh, and what have we got? Yeah. Limerick. Limerick. <laughs> Take it away. Our planet's climate is changing. Technology needs rearranging. Let's take emissions back. Return it to black. But first, Mr. Trump needs exchanging. <laughs> 
Oh, very nice. Politics as well. And you're talking to different audiences over the last few days. What are you most comfortable with? What, what, what's your preferred medium? Um, I don't mind standing up and talking. Yeah, that's all right. I, I, we, we had a lot of fun with the radio, I think. Um, that, was, that was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, talking with Susanna over here. Yeah, gave us some really good pointers. Yeah, yeah. but keeping it... <laughs> yeah, whoops, chose the wrong person. Um, yeah, but keeping it sharp, concise, leading with the m most interesting or important thing. Yeah. Excellent. And, um, what, what was it? It's not dumbing it down, it's breaking it down breaking it down into the bits rather than dumbing it down. I like your thinking. Thank you very much. <laughs> what do we got? I got a limerick. A limerick. Good. There once was a girl who loved chooks. So she studied hard and hit the books. But her pitch was messy. So she became a freshie and wowed everyone with her marketing hooks. Fantastic. I like that. <laughs> yes, 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 playing to the judges there. Very good, very good. And for you, which medium are you? Yeah, I really liked radio too. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed it. I liked particularly the podcast where the, you could have a little bit more time to really like discuss things. I just like the conversational format. However, I think when we think about your story, the obvious places are the country hour, which is radio. Because you're going to reach... Because you... Mm. Yep, because you're going to reach... You're going to reach the farmers... You know, yep. Country hours to listen to in every tractor cab in the country, and I, but I can also see it working for Gardening Australia on TV. Yeah, with the so it might be backyard worth. chickens. Very good, very good. Thank you very much. You. Good. What have we got? I got a limerick. You got a limerick. Uh, glaucoma, too much pressure in the eye. It is hard to treat. I won't lie. I make the particles. To, that makes I twinkle, so glaucoma can go bye bye bye. <laughs> what, what have you learned from the last couple of days? Always be ready with your pitch, <laughs> less than thirty seconds. <laughs> and um, it's interesting to learn about the different medias. Um, I quite like the TV because um, it's visual. It can really helps people to imagine what you are what technology you're developing and why it's important. Excellent. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. I also have a limerick. I do. Yes. <laughs> okay. Ovarian cancer is aggressive and hard to treat. But listen up, yo, because my research is neat. Molecules called raws may unlock the doors to a way this cancer could be beat. <laughs> that works. <laughs> and um, your favourite medium from the last couple of days? I liked the written and the printed and like the conversation. I think that's a really interesting news source and I like how you can kind of get a bit more into depth in that. So. And you, 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 you get a bit of control. Yeah, exactly. Um, having said that, for, in terms of TV, it's a health story. Once you're getting closer to sure. to application, that TV's gonna TV's gonna love that story. Sure. Good. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay. Good. Alrighty. I have a limerick, which I'm going to try and memorize. Excellent. Let's okay. See how that goes. Our cells get changed by the sun, and cancer is not much fun. 
These cell alterations, they turn into mutations. So make sure your sunscreen gets done. Any surprises for you from the last couple of days? I think I didn't realise how much work I'd have to put into to make my science understandable for all different audiences. I thought I could just do the same pitch to different people, but I can't. Excellent. Cool. Good lesson. Thank Thanks. you. For this week's Bright Spark Challenge, you heard Claire Henry from the University of New South Wales talking about ovarian cancer ROR targets. Giuliano Morimato from Macquarie University talking about fertility and gut bacteria in fruit flies. Rebecca Poulos from the University of New South Wales talking about sunlight and cancer. Mohamed Tashani from the University of Sydney about making pneumonia vaccine more affordable. And Amy Moss from the University of Sydney about her research into getting more chicken with less feed. And finally, a little poem of my own. The problem with laboratory meat is the fact that the meat has to eat. Fat-grown steaks must be fed with the blood of the dead, which really isn't so sweet. Listen next week for the final round of Bright Sparks Haiku and Limericks. Would you like to hear your voice on radio? Record a voice message on your phone or use the voicemail tab on the website. Sound was checked by Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 27 stations on the community radio network, including 2RBM in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, and 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website www.diffusionradio.com that's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than 900 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Subscribe to the Diffusion YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.